please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hours, Tales of Halloween Terror, as we present some of the most terrifying movies that have ever been shown in public. Our radio crew today will produce for you some of the most exotic and terrifying movies that you have ever heard reproduced for the show. And in this show, we have a special crew of GeorgiaCarry.org members who are here to provide this unique interpretation of classic tales of horror. So, without further ado, let us present to you M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. Enter basement, evening. A naked light bulb sparks to life. It dangles from the ceiling in the basement. Light, quick footsteps as Anna Crow moves down the stairs. Anna is in is the rare combination of beauty and innocence. She stands in the chilly basement in an elegant summer dress that outlines her slender body. Her gentle eyes move across the empty room and come to rest on a rack of wine bottles covering one wall. She walks to the bottles. Her fingertips slide over the labels. She stops when she finds just the right one, a tiny smile as she slides it out. Anna turns to leave, stops. She stares at the shadow basement. It's an unsettling place. She stands very still and watches her breath form a tiny cloud in the cold air. She's visibly uncomfortable. Anna Crow moves from the staircase in a hurry, each step faster than the next. She climbs out of the basement in another burst of light, quick footsteps. We hear her hit the light switch. The bulb dies. Dripping black devours the room. Enter dining room. Two places are arranged on the living room coffee table. Takeout Chinese food sits half-eaten on good china. An empty bottle of red wine sits between the boxes of Chinese food. Anna arrives with a backup bottle and is now wearing a sweater. She hands the collegiate rowing team sweatshirt to Malcolm. It's getting cold. Malcolm Crow sits on the floor of the coffee table, his vest and tie on the sofa behind him, a jacket and an overlay on the briefcase next to him. Malcolm is in his 30s with thick wavy hair and striking intelligent eyes that squint from years of intense study. His charming, easygoing smile spreads across his face. He points. That's one fine frame. A fine frame it is. Malcolm points to the huge frame certificate propped up on the dining room chair. It's printed on aged parchment paper. The frame is polished mahogany. He slips on the sweatshirt. How much does a fine frame like that cost, do you think? Anna hands the backup bottle over to Malcolm. I've never told you, but you sound a little like Dr. Seuss when you're drunk. Malcolm uncorks the wine and starts pouring into the empty glass. Anna, I'm serious. Serious I am, Anna. Anna giggles. She's clearly buzzed herself. Malcolm doesn't get it. Anna takes a few calming sips of her wine. Her attention slowly moves to the frame certificate. Mahogany. I'd say that it costs at least a couple hundred, maybe even three. Three? 
We should hawk it. Buy a CD rack for the bedroom. Do you know how important this is? This is big time. I'm going to read it for you, Doctor. Do I really sound like Dr. Seuss? Anna ignores Malcolm and clears her throat. She leans forward in her seat and reads the certificate out loud as Malcolm tries to tickle her. In recognition for his outstanding achievement in the field of child psychology, his dedication to his work, and his continuing efforts to improve the quality of life for countless children and their families, the city of Philadelphia proudly bestows upon its son, Dr. Malcolm Crow, that's you, the mayor's citation for professional excellence. The power of the words sobers the two of them. Wow, they called you their son. We can keep it in the bathroom. Anna turns to Malcolm. He smiles. It's not real, Anna. Some secretary wrote it up. Don't tell me that you thought it was real. Anna's expression becomes serious. What? She just keeps staring. Don't do the quiet thing. You know I hate it. This is an important night for us. Finally, someone is recognizing the sacrifices you made. That you have put everything second, including me, for those families they're talking about. Malcolm plays softly with her face. Anna takes her hands and holds them steady. They're also saying that my husband has a gift. Not an ordinary gift that allows him to hit a ball over a fence or a gift that lets him produce beautiful images on a canvas. Your gift teaches children how to be strong in a situation where most adults would pee themselves. Yes, I believe they wrote it about you. Anna lets go of his hands. Anna's eyes are emotional. Malcolm smiles softly. Thank you. Anna leans toward him. They hold each other tight. What are we hugging about again? (laughs) Nothing. There wasn't supposed to be any crying at the celebration. Just a lot of drinking. Malcolm's charming, easygoing smile returns. I would like some red wine in a glass. Anna hands him his glass. He stares at it. I would not like it in a mug. I would not like it in a jug. Malcolm looked at Anna, surprised when he said, They cracked up laughing. Their sweet laughter fills the house. Cut to bedroom. Two giggling shadows appear in the bedroom doorway. They try to turn off the lights, but it turn on the lights, but it does not come on. Bulbs out. <laughs> Malcolm turns on the bathroom light. A shaft of light falls on Anna as she stands in the corner of the room. Anna smiles playfully and pulls off her sweater. She sways. Malcolm can't hold back his grin. He joins in, slowly peeling off his sweatshirt. As he walks towards her, his grin quietly disappears. Malcolm's face turns to rock his attention as he's drawn to a shattered window in the bedroom. The window move, wind moves through the room. A lamp lays broken on the ground by the window. Malcolm kneels down. Anna's eyes fill with a quiet awareness. He's still in the house. A shadow from the bathroom flat over both of them. Ah! Malcolm spins around. His heart stops. Malcolm and Anna stare at the bathroom doorway. They know someone is inside. Malcolm slowly starts towards the door. The first thing that comes into view are the clothes on the bathroom floor. Then a figure of a man comes into view. A stranger stands bare-chested in the back of the room. No one makes a sound. The stranger is about 18, drugged out, 
pitch black eyes, bulging. His body is covered in scars and bruises. His hands are folded in front of him. He shakes ever so slightly. He has a patch of white in his hair. Malcolm speaks in a very calm voice. He never takes his eyes off the stranger. Anna, don't move. Don't say a word. This is 47 Locust Street. You have broken a window and entered a private residence. I am in fear for my life. Dun, dun, dun. Well, that didn't take quite as long as I anticipated. The, the movie was supposed to be about two hours. Perhaps another tale of terror would help fill your night on this Halloween day with more... dead people laying in the bathroom floor. Indeed. <laughs> well, for our next foray into the macabre and terrifying, the georgiacarry.org Radio Hour players will present for you Stephen King's The Children of the Corn, right after this commercial break. <laughs> and now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. When we took our commercial break, we had promised you another tale of terror. And so, the GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour team presents for you, on your listening pleasure on this Halloween, Stephen King's The Children of the Corn. I don't remember everything that happened. Because I was only five then, and now I'm eight. But I was about the only kid in church that day, on account that all the other kids had been excused to go listen to Isaac, who was this boy preacher who'd come to Gallon a few days before. Sarah was homesick with my mom. Dad decided to take me so he could talk about the drought with some of the other men. That's all everybody was talking about then, the drought. After church, we went out to eat. Dad always ordered the same thing. But Dad was worried about Sarah, so he went over to the phone as soon as we got in. There were some other kids there. I thought they were all in the corn with Isaac. Billy Renfew looked at my dad, then smiled at me kind of funny. Billy, what are you doing with that knife? Put it down! Kids! What are you doing with the sigh? No! I sure am glad my dad had a gun that day. Do, do, do. You know, I'm noticing a trend here when if somebody had a gun in the opening sequence of a lot of these movies, there wouldn't be a movie. You're right. And I think that... We need to get some, some better movies for this production that will take up a little more time so that the people can enjoy the plot. Igor, go find me a movie that takes place in a gun-free zone. Until then, folks, allow us to present the movie Slither from 1996. <laughs> 
Grant sits on a boulder beside a creek, looking miserable, downing a six-pack. He throws an empty can into the creek when he glances down and sees particles flowing down the river. Grant slides off the boulder. He kneels and examines the particles. They shimmer in the moonbeams coming down between the trees. Grant peers up from the creek to where the particles are coming. He sees a gap in the edge of the creek where water splashes and is diverted in streamlets down the hill. He approaches the spot and comes to a small crater on the side of the creek. The meteorite is inside the crater, but it's cracked into pieces. The rock seems almost organic, like a shell. The shimmery specks are part of the shell itself, flecked off in the creek and rushing downstream. Grant crouches. He touches the meteorite and feels some sort of goo inside it. It's sticky. He notices a strip of the same slime leading out of the crater itself into the woods. Grant, curiously, slowly, follows the slimy trail. He comes to a flurry of colorful wildflowers. Something is rustling in the flowers ever so slightly. He moves in closer. A gelatinous yellow organism slithers sluggishly between the flowers. The organism is a mound a few inches high, gross and veiny, yet colorful as the flowers around it. A small cavity on the apex of the organism constricts and expands slightly. I guess it's not worth keeping a secret that this thing looks a tad like a bright yellow bulb. What the... Grant is a little scared. The thing, even frightened, he looks around for someone else. Hey, anybody around here? Hello? No one answers. Grant looks down at the organism, unsure. He picks up a tree branch. Grant softly probes the organism with the pointy end of the branch. Nothing happens. He does it again. The thing pulses a little and surges towards Grant. Grant pokes it one more time. A small, thin quill emerges from the cavity in the center of the organism. The spore is quivering, and it trembles upward. A little bulb spur pops out as well. Grant slowly bends down to look, when the spore suddenly shoots out. It strikes Grant in the stomach. Ow! Crud! Grant ganks up his shirt, looking at the wound in his abdomen. He watches as the spore quivers and disappears inside him. He clutches his stomach. Ah! He falls back into the colorful flowers, his body convulsing. Grant freezes in place, his fingers contorted in front of him. Silent, he's uttering a still wax corpse. A gun-owning camping couple run into the area, looking for the source of the screams. The man looks down at the frozen Grant. Over here! The camper crouches down beside him. Hey, man, you all right? Dude, oh, crap. The camper turns from Grant to his girlfriend. I think he's... Grant sits up and grabs the man like a drowning man propping up above water. The camper yelps and jumps back. Grant sweats and heaves, trying to speak, but can only... It's taking my brain! Dun, dun, dun. Again, a, a little bit short on the the movie. These these 
two-hour feature films just don't seem to take as long on radio, even when you're reading the set direction. I don't get it. They say a picture's worth a thousand words, but our thousand words aren't really lasting too long. What's going wrong here, Jess? It's because we own guns. But there are lots of horror movies that have guns in them. Yeah, but they never have the ammo. Or magazines. Was it Day of the Dead? It- or Dawn of the Dead. One it of those. was the remake of Day of the Dead. And and the lady that's supposed to be military exclaims as she she walks into the set that she didn't have any ammunition in her magazine. Yeah. Woohoo! Just tell all the dead that. Well, there are there are a variety of types of horror movies, and I think that that's part of this. Is you know we're we're kind of selectively picking horror movies which could have been solved with the judicious application of force from a firearm. I mean, there are other kinds of horror movies. You, you really can't, you know, take The Exorcist and end the movie in 30 seconds the way we've been doing with a gun. Yeah, but Scream ends pretty quickly. Scream is over in a heartbeat. Um, there, there, there was a lot of them we could end quicker with a gun with less carnage. Mm-hmm. Um, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um. All the Michael Myers flicks, if you can just pop off Michael Myers, you're doing good. Well, I, I don't know. There there was the I, I, the very first Friday the 13th, I believe Jamie Lee Curtis shot him in the face. That wasn't Friday the 13th. I'm talking about Halloween. Halloween. That's right. Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis shot him in the face, and all it did was blind him, and he was stumbling around after that. The There is kind of an ethereal nature to a lot of these monsters in such a way that technology can't overcome them. And that's a theme that we see going back to, you know, like the, the golden age of horror movies in the 30s where you had, you know, Frankenstein and the Wolfman and Dracula and the Mummy and the Creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, the MGM, you know, pantheon of monsters. They couldn't be overcome by technology. And we would rely on our technology to try, but we would fail through the use of technology. And this is kind of an underlying theme with horror movies in trying to understand what makes people afraid. And people are afraid when they don't feel like they're out of control, right? I mean, isn't that the underlying message of a horror movie? Yeah, well, I don't know that there really is an underlying message of a horror movie. A lot of these things is just for the fun of having your fight or flight response triggered and getting the adrenaline rush from watching it. A lot of people get an adrenaline rush out of going to a theater or even popping them in the DVD player at home and and watching this. Well, the adrenaline rush comes from you know something very primal and something very in- intrinsic to our nature. You know, these what these are and you know we were talking a little bit during one of the breaks about the nightmare on Elm Street. Horror movies are a a projection of a nightmare, right? right. I mean, this is something where you you know it, it is very in our nature, very primal, that we have these fears, and we confront them through the horror movie, and we take the the nightmare that we experience alone and share it with an entire theater. And by going through that experience communally, then we have a sense of, of not only community with the other people who have seen the movie, but we also have control over it, because it's it's contained and we know that in two hours it'll be over, and it's become something that allows us to release tension. In a way, and it's also become a way to desensitize ourselves to the horrible things that have happened in the world. Because you see these things in, in movies so much 
that when things happen in real life, say campus shootings and and that kind of things, we've seen it in the media and we've seen it in movies, we're not as responsive to it as we would have been before. Well, the counter to that is that some people would argue that the horror movies serve as inspiration for people. You know, you get copycat killers, and some of the people who are involved in these kind of mass shootings are mentally deranged people to begin with, and then they see these horrible depictions of violence through movies, TV, and video games, and they, they act out on it. You know, as I was doing the research for this show, I kept running across articles on Holmes, the Colorado shooting. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny how I would look up a certain thing, and, and the trigger words that I Googled would bring him up. In almost every search, somewhere on the first or second page, mm-hmm. there would be an article about him. And what was the connection? I mean, what what was drawing that out? I think the the fact that I was using movie and gun movie and and where guns would have made a difference because um, there was a lot of debate on whether people being armed inside the theater would have would made have, a difference in yeah. that outcome, and so I kept running across those articles. Well, you know, we look at some of these movies, and the ones that we've cherry picked are movies that do end quickly, but. Real life is is that horrible things happen to people on a daily basis, and the way that we are able to have control of the situation is to be armed. Now, one of the movies that we had talked about and then rejected was Psycho, and why? I mean, what what was the problem with Psycho? Well, there wasn't so much of a problem with Psycho. I mean, we got a human antagonist to someone who could be shot and killed. It's not ethereal. It's not a spirit. It's not a monster. It's just up until the point, even though he's killed people, you don't know for sure it's him until like halfway through the movie. Mm -hmm. So then there's the risk of killing him and... There being um, you killing the wrong por- person, but there's also the problem with a lot of the sh- the killings occur in a shower, mm-hmm. and how many people shower with their you know 1911 or Glock? And that's the point that I wanted to really get at. I mean, I always keep that extra firearm under my soap dish. I'm just saying. Well, you know, the, this comes into a really important discussion, and I know that we're up to a commercial break. So when we come back, I want to talk about where should you carry your firearm. We'll be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. Um, you know, during our first couple segments, we have been highlighting the way horror movies work and how a gun would have made a difference. But as we went into our commercial break, we were starting to talk about Psycho. And Psycho is really a, an interesting problem for us when we were trying to create this episode because there i mean granted we were trying to find horror movies that had the the villain obvious at the very beginning so it would end quickly and we found some great examples now like scream 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 is another great one um but psycho you don't really find out who the villain is until about midway into the movie so there's a lot that we would have to edit out and that's that's for granted but the other problem was is that when you have the absolute this is the one you need to kill it's in the shower and just pointed out absolutely profoundly that well who has a gun in their shower but then again, other than Doug King, you know, black <laughs> black powder, you got to clean it somehow. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> a lot of pe- this this highlights another problem that is a real life problem because people say, "Well, I don't need to carry my gun every day. I don't need mm. to carry my gun to the grocery store. I don't need to carry my gun to church. I don't need to carry my gun." Well, where do you need to carry well, your gun? Well, as we've seen with the gun free zones, is that Which Igor people is still looking for people who would do bad things tend to target us when we're our most vulnerable. Absolutely. So, again, I say concealed is concealed, although that doesn't reflect the views of GeorgiaCarry.org. Well, you know, here we are talking about where do you carry? When do you carry? And too many people say, well, I'm going to carry when I'm going into danger. But look at all of these horror movies. Look at every single one of them. And we go from horror movie to horror movie. Each one has people who did not think that they were going to be in danger, right? Well, I mean, okay, well, let's look at Scream for a second. She's popping popcorn. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would think that they were in danger? Her, her boyfriend drops by. He ends up getting, like, murdered in a lawn chair in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But she's just standing there popping some popcorn in the microwave. She doesn't think that anything's wrong. I mean, I do this almost every evening, and I have yet to be confronted by any man with a gun other than my husband. <laughs> Um, Terminator. Terminator is not a good example because, again, the Terminator is indestructible to modern weapons. But Terminator is hunting down Sarah Connor. He knocks on the door. woman opens the door. It's chained. He says, Sarah Connor. She says, yes. He kicks in the door and shoots her. The next one, he breaks into an apartment complex. And the roommate is in the apartment complex with headphones on. While her boyfriend's beat to death in the bedroom, she doesn't hear a thing. And then she's shot. Okay. Well, you also have the Friday the 13th flicks. And they always get murdered. You, you see jason go after the first people that are either completely naked having uh, intercourse or, as, or drunk or drugged as as my good friend uh fillmore sturgis who does a great um youtube video about how to visit atlanta says they were having sweet relations <laughs> kind of yeah they're you know and, and the, the backstory on that was that's the reason jason drowned mm-hmm. was because they were not paying attention they were too busy the, the camp counselors relations. were having sweet relations and, and getting drunk and high but you know it, it shows the the vulnerability of, of the human condition and how bad things typically happen at our most vulnerable well you know the friday the 13th movies there you're, you're looking at a morality play really i mean you People do bad things, therefore they end up getting murdered. Even the people that aren't doing bad things, if they're a camp counselor there and they're trying to be good, they still end up getting murdered. Well, guilt by association. I mean, a lot of this comes back to ancient stories going, you know, back to the Brothers Grimm on how to instill a certain moral system and moral code devoid of actually appealing to a deity. And that's what horror movies or horror stories. And if you read, you know, like fairy tales, the Brothers Grimm fairy tales are not exactly, you know, fluffy, happy, Walt Disney-esque things. People are getting beheaded. People are getting chopped up and and fried and cooked. And, I mean, this is what horror movies were back in the 1800s. Well, those and and then we have, you know, the novels. A lot of things get changed for television, so they're a little more child-friendly. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Did you ever read the book? No. No? The, the kids don't get, like, squeezed out and stretched back out, and they're okay. They all die. Well, <laughs> there, there is that, I, I suppose. You know, we need to deal with reality. And using these fantasies is a great way to segment into dealing with a harsh reality. And that's why the grim fairy tales were. They were to help prepare children for grim realities. 
and what they had to deal with in life. And these horror movies should get us thinking about, well, okay, what could I do to defend myself? That's, for me, zombie movies were the ultimate, okay, well, what would I do? It, it got me interested in being a better prepared person. It got me interested in taking care of other people. When I, the first time that I got interested in carrying a gun really came after watching uh, the the remake of The Time Machine. And see, mine was after watching the movie Taken. Mm-hmm. And I traveled a lot for a living. And you had a particular set of skills. After I watched, no, I didn't actually. And that was part of the problem was I traveled alone all the time because I was in the trucking industry. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of what would I do if somebody attempted to, you know, truck rob me or, or kidnap me. I mean, I'm fat and it's harder to kidnap a fat person. It's way more obvious. <laughs> but the point is, you know, if, if they, you know, try to, truck jack me or what would they what would i do and so I, I bought a firearm and got a little bit of training not much um but the training that i had caused me to be able to fend off a tried truck jacking in detroit so i mean it, it paid off for me to have a little bit of training at that point in my life mm -hmm. That and a can of mace. You can't go wrong with a can of mace. <laughs> well, you know, mace has its its upsides and downsides, and you know we we look at you know the the fears that are common to humanity, and they're personified through these movies. They're personified through these stories. They they give us voice and allow us to to exercise these demons in a certain way that we have control over it. And at the end, you see the evil being vanquished and one of the people walking away. I mean, that's that's a, a common thread throughout all of these movies. Every single one of the even we highlighted at the end, evil is vanquished. You know, um, you find out that. Uh, Isaac gets gets eaten by the thing that walks through the rows, and then the 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 couple escapes. You've got at the end of Slither, um, Malcolm Reynolds makes off with with the blonde, and they're safe at the end of the 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 zombie alien zombie invasion. And this is most most of the movies, um, and even the ones of sequels, they vanquish it for a minute, and then it finds a way to come back. Jason repeatedly, mm -hmm. even up to like Jason X, where he's like back and they're in space, yeah, which was one of the weirdest horror films i'd ever seen and you know the thing of it is like the exorcist it it gets vanquished and then it comes back for the sequel mm -hmm. some of these things are just you know those those writer tricks where they oh don't worry about it it's okay it's gonna come back anyway yeah but that doesn't happen in in real life we worry about as human beings the safety of ourselves and our families mm -hmm. and these horror movies do give you the opportunity to really kind of introspect and and look to see how would i handle this situation so you know i'm sitting there and i was watching the walking dead which got me very into um knowing what to wondering what i would do in case of an emergency and i'm not talking about like emergency preparedness okay. so much as i'm talking about um situational preparedness as in what would i do in this situation or that situation situational awareness right and so you know and and what would i do for the kids and how would i protect the children from this kind of thing and so you you realize that the, the zombies just are stand-ins for the bad people that walk the earth not paying any attention until you smell like meat to them and the same with almost all of these all of these villains all of these creatures and monsters that we deal with 
are aspects of human psyche. You know, we, we, like Terminator is, is the ultimate we lose to our technology. You've got the monster, uh, the wolfman is the beast within, who is overcome by technology and reason. But again, the struggle between the beast within, you know, Do- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the same sort of morality tale there. And even the zombies are um, representative of, of the human, basic human drive and desire of basic humans to to be fed you know they they constantly looking for they they procreate in, a, of. in a different way but they yeah. they do they they re- reproduce themselves and they eat and that's all that there is and those basic human drives overcome logic and reason and emotion to be just the driving force and that's a a, a fear in humanity is are we more are we truly more than our base needs well it's also an illustration of how People feel like there are beings and um, things in this world that you just can't reason with, even if it's you know governmental or, or whatever. In, in Bu- bureaucracy, zombies as a metaphor for bureaucracy. I think George yeah. Romero might take exception with that, saying that um, zombies were his zombies anyway were supposed to be a commentary on consumer culture that people just blindly do what they do and buy things and don't think about the consequences of their their ravenous consumption it's it's possible and then it can be you know standing for a lot of things i mean when we discuss the wizard of oz the good witch and the bad witch it's an old woman versus a young woman as in aging and, and old old women are, are nasty or it's metaphorical for the you know economy at the time it was written mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways it can be taken a lot of viewpoints of, of seeing what it's about well that's the beauty of all fiction is that you t- you take from it what you take to it you know the this is the it's it's the dark side cave from Empire Strikes Back. You take out of it what you bring into it. And when Yoda told Luke, you know, you don't need your weapons. Well, when he went in because he brought his weapons, he needed his weapons because that's what he took to it. We bring our own experiences to these movies and to these situations. Folks, we'll wrap this up when we get back in just a minute. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Uh, welcome back, folks. When we took our break, we were talking a little bit about how we bring things to these stories and to these movies that we see in ourselves. And, of course, you know, is it any surprise that, you know, when I look at these horror movies, I see, my goodness, if they had just had a gun, they would have been fine. Where someone else would have looked at it and, and brought a different outcome to the movie right i mean a different solution to the problem if if and and when you were talking about friday the 13th jesse i think that was a good example because yeah you could shoot jason's mom but it doesn't really uncover the real problem here and what causes all the sequels but there are probably would have ticked jason off even more right because that's what why jason came about was because the camp counselors killed his mother so 
it, it, it would be the the gun in that movie would have no solution for the underlying problem unless you caught the camp counselors in the beginning before jason died and just offed all of them well why would you have to do that if you if you wanted to talk about solving it so that it, there was never an issue if you could have caught the camp counselors at the beginning and made them do their jobs correctly then he would not have died and none of this would have happened fired them all and get a new lot that cares about kids there you go so you know the, there's there's a different message that could be taken from this and you know here we are and sometimes it's said that when when all you have is a hammer every problem begins to look like a nail and you know we're gun people we people who listen to the show are gun people people who believe that firearms you know are necessary and essential and they are but they're not always the solution to every problem either well, I mean, a lot of problems don't even need to be solved by guns. Sometimes you can just sit down and talk to somebody and solve your issue. You don't have to go and cap them. <laughs> and, and we start to look at, you know. But see, that's the difference in responsible gun owners and these people that go out and commit crimes is we know that we can sit down and we can talk about a situation or we can go and we can join georgiacarry.org and, and we can go down to the Capitol building and we can talk about it. We don't have to have a shootout with our politicians to get things accomplished because well, we use our brains rather than our brawn. What comes to my mind are road rage incidents. Where, There's been know, a lot of those around Atlanta recently. A lot, a lot of shootings. There was the, the Mustang driver who shot the Corvette driver just recently over in Stone Mountain. There's been a lot of road rage types incidents. And yes, you know, if someone is trying to run you off the road and kill you, a gun is a good solution. But the, the, the prior step is what can you do without living in fear? And I'm not talking about living in fear. I'm talking about living responsibly to keep yourself out of those situations. You know, when when I lived in a bad part of town, I had a rule that I was always home before dark, just flat out. I was home before dark. And you know what? People who were home before dark didn't get involved in muggings and robbings and shootings there. And it, it was a bad neighborhood. It was a place I didn't really want to live in. But, you know, it was where I had to be at the moment. And so I adjusted my lifestyle to eliminate risk. Well, you know, my grandmother always told me nothing good ever happened after midnight. And after I was involved in, in when I lived in North Carolina in an organization that picked up people that were drunk and drove them home so they didn't have DUIs and, or accidents and kill people, I realized that there's a lot of violence that happens after midnight. Yeah. So it's, it's not that nothing happens. It's just nothing Thank good. <laughs> and so there's a lot of things going on after midnight, just stuff you don't really want to be involved in most of the time. So, you know, I, I'm kind of with you on the let's get home and let's let's be home at, before dark. Um, my husband is, is very adamant still to this day about us being home before dark, but that's because we live in the middle of nowhere and the, the roads are curvy with no light. And speaking of, we could also hit on wrong turn, right? <laughs> wrong turn. So you've always got to bring up the West Virginia one, right? I mean, we're not going to talk about deliverance or anything. We're going to talk about wrong turn. And wrong turn is basically a fantasy because I've lived in West Virginia most of my life. And there was no inbreds that ate people. So the people who ate people didn't happen to be inbred. There were no cannibals in West Virginia, Doug. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's people that'll say, hey, why are you on my land? No trespassing. But most of the time, the people there, you know, wave at you as you drive by. And if you've got a flat tire on the side of the road, it'll stop and help you change it. 
Well, that's better than most of Atlanta in that way. So, you know, part of this comes to community. And when you're dealing with a community with people who know each other, that helps reinforce, you know, societal values. It gives you a, a support network. It makes things a little easier to deal with, whether they're horror movies or, or just trespassers on your land. And one of the best communities you can be involved in is, of course, GeorgiaCarry.org. Right. I mean, the people who are involved in this organization are, are some of the best, brightest, most passionate, fun-loving people who I I've ever encountered and that's why we can do crazy things like 30 second theater on halloween because they're giving us a little bit of rope to hang ourselves with here in the studio and well, it's 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 an exciting thing to be involved in well you know it's it, there's no harm in in having a little bit of fun to bring up an, an important topic and that's kind of what we did here today is we had a little bit of fun to illustrate that you know all the good things in life revolve around guns <laughs> yeah absolutely so if you want to be a georgiacarry.org member the best way to join is to go to www.georgiacarry.org and on the top left hand corner you're going to see join now click on that $20 a year or $500 for a lifetime membership and boom you're in that means you're getting the emails to know what subcommittee hearings to attend who needs a, a letter or a phone call and what bills we support and which bills are, need some revamping before they hit the final floor and we are coming up on a new legislative legislative session it is only two months away and with christmas here it's going to feel more like two days away because once we hit the holiday season it just flies by and next thing you know all of these people are marching back down to be under that gold dome and making new laws which will impact the way that we can defend ourselves from jason or freddie or whoever else wants to go bump in the night so if you want to be a member Join up. If you don't have internet access, go to a gun show. Every single gun show in the state has a Georgia Carry booth. And most of the local festivals, I know that you can go out to the Bluegrass Festival, Cowboy Days, all of these things that pop up from north, south, east, and west. You have an opportunity to meet some GeorgiaCarry.org members, get a couple of free buttons, and and sign up right there on the spot. Also, we have chapter meetings. Yeah, and, and there's a new local chapter in Gwinnett. Uh, there's also the the north chapter, north inside the perimeter chapter, and I, I guess the, that includes Marietta. We also have the north northwest, which is um, like Hiram in that area. We have south chapter. We now, have well, the new chapter in Gwinnett that serves like that entire Gwinnett area, Gwinnett Alpharetta, and all in, that over there, including the the town of Dracula. I mean, Dakula, right? I think so. Yeah. So no no garlic at that one. Uh, Dakula, not Dracula. Oh, that was a bad joke. I'm trying. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you can get out and you can go to, to any of these meetings and they have membership materials available. You can you can pay to become a member. You can write a check, give cash, and I even believe most of them take credit card. You can also stock up on your GeorgiaCarry.org materials. You know, they have buttons. They have um, stickers and magnets. They have ink pens, hats. There's a lot of things. I'm, I'm waiting for them to come out with jackets. I, they used to have uh, GeorgiaCarry.org AR-15 lore receivers, and there was a time when you could get GeorgiaCarry.org 1911 grips. However, you cannot get GeorgiaCarry.org Glock grips because Glocks don't have grips. Well, Glocks. But you can do any of these things. You can also listen to us on your local station simply by calling your local station and telling them that you'd like to listen to georgiacarry.org radio and then contact us and tell us who you talk to at radio at georgiacarry.org and we'll contact them and try to syndicate onto your radio station so you don't have to listen online. Absolutely. Just call and ask for the station manager and say, hey, I listen to your station all the time and I listen to georgiacarry.org radio and I would like to hear it on your station. Why don't you play this? And then give us the contact information who 
to follow up with, and we'll make sure it happens. If you're outside of our listening area, you can still listen live on News Talk 1160's website. All you have to do is go on there about 8 a.m. on Saturday morning and, and click on the Listen Live button, and they will allow you to listen. You can also catch it on georgiacarry.org's website, which is, as we, as we just said, georgiacarry.org. You click on Radio Hour on the bottom left-hand side, and it takes you right into our most recent show plus an archive of all of the shows. And the archives are, are a lot of fun. So if you miss something or you're getting caught up or this is the first time you've listened to the show, you can go back and hear all of our old discussion on various topics as they happened. And the, it's a great way to introduce new shooters to a lot of the topics that are coming up in the legislature and just in the daily lives of people who have chosen to defend themselves and others. Well, we have shows on there ranging from today's you know Halloween show will be up to you know discussions on how to talk to your kids about firearms even if you don't own any so it's a good way to get people to understand your point of view that may may not have been around firearms that long it's a good way to to reach people who who don't really understand so uh, i encourage you to you know send a link to someone you think would enjoy to listen to the show and have them listen i have family that listens in virginia (laughs) Everyone's looking for a new podcast. Once you burn through, you know, four seasons of Once Upon a Time, what are you going to listen to? Well, you know, here's an opportunity for something that's a little bit off the wall that you can listen to in the car or on your plane trips. Download them and be able to hear them at any time. Well, I've really enjoyed this week's show. It was a little bit of fun. It was. It was a, it was a great bit of fun, I think. I enjoyed being able to... to try out some of my funny voices and to get a little bit more of attention on things which i think are are important you were using funny voices yes master uh you sound like that all the time i thought yeah (laughs) only when i'm being being antagonized that's that's about it so folks enjoy your weekend get out get involved get to the range put some lead out there and have some fun and keep take care of the kids tonight be kind to the people who come to your door to get some candy or treats and remember that everybody is a little different no matter what they're doing so watch out for the sociopaths that are out dressed like everyone else this halloween yeah yes you know yeah from the (laughs) adams family what are you dressed as sociopaths they look like everybody else (laughs) Folks, enjoy the weekend. We'll be back. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.